Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Turnbuckles. I'm Tommy Rico, and I said something I didn't want to say when I sang the praises of a comedian who I find atrocious because I was meeting with their manager. I'm Julie Harrison Harney, and well into my teen years, my mom used to have me lie and say I was 12 years old whenever we went to Applebee's so we could get the kids' menu discount. John Reinman is out this week. He sent us something we'll share with everyone at the end of the show, but right now, it's time for the Raw Recap. Raw Recap. So, Julie, um, talk about things that people don't want to say. We started with the promo yeah. by a man that I'm going to I'm going to just say this up front so that nothing we say after this sounds like we're trashing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Titus O'Neil. I have never, ever heard a bad word about. He seems to be a wonderful human being. He does an absurd amount of charity work. He's he seems like, by all accounts, one of the best guys in the company. Titus O'Neil had to open the show with a promo that sounded like he was at gunpoint telling it. It was brutal to watch. There were some things in there that were nice. You know, I don't mind. I don't mind hearing about you supporting the service men and women of the United States, even though he's the global ambassador and he's really doubling down on the United States service men and women. I found that juxtaposition a little bit funny, but yeah, yeah. I mean, some of it was nice to hear about Titus's job that he currently has. Yeah. So he's the global ambassador for WWE and should be. I mean, everything he's done up to this point, he was the Warrior Award recipient because of his charity work. Uh, Titus is the right guy for that job. And Titus is a uh, Tampa native, so they had him make this announcement in Tampa. It just worked out well. But I listened to the speech and was just, it was so cringeworthy and so cruel because it felt like every word was someone else's word. That that entire speech was not Titus O'Neil as a person or a representative. It was the person who wrote it, which was clearly Vince McMahon. Yeah. I had to watch the yeah. speech again to make sure that I wasn't overselling that. And I did. And it's, it was as bad or worse the second time watching it. If you listen to Titus's promo and you listen to the verbiage in there, the wording and the things that were said... It is pure propaganda from beginning to end. And if you removed Titus's voice and just read it in Vince McMahon's voice, I'm not going to do that because it hurts my voice and I don't even want to hear it. And John's but not here. John does the best exactly. Vince McMahon. Now, we, so, we would have John read the whole thing. Right, exactly. And then, and then he wouldn't be able to talk for a week. 
But so <laughs> there was specific language in that that bothered me so much. And so the, the, the one thing that, so put smiles on all of your faces. That's Vince McMahon. Supporting our servicemen and women all over the globe. That is a cheap pop that actually got the, the Tampa crowd yeah. to chant USA, USA. So excited. Yeah, which is always. This is the largest pop of the night. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was because this was not a strong raw. Um, we support causes that help promote family, health, and community. Really? Really? You do all three of those things? Family, health, and community? Do we need to go back to each of those words and find huge examples where it was the opposite that they were promoting, uh, particularly health? Um, and then they should the make one- up for they have to make up for all of the damage they've caused for yeah. to families, health and community. So really, this is just a make good at a certain point. Yeah, well, and then there was politics, religion or any other subject that is divisive. Those are the things that WWE will not bring into the, the product. I Again, mean, really? Really? Just, never? No, not, not, not before, not now, not ever. No, it, it, each of those things has been done as a storyline, as a gag, as I mean, as some of them have been literal punchlines. And it was just so absurd to put this again, by all accounts, wonderful human being on display. And you could feel it in every word that it wa- he was concentrating so hard on getting that very specific language right. And he seemed uncomfortable with the words, not with the promo, not with the wording, but with the words as they were intended. That it was a Mm. pure propaganda speech and it hurt to listen to. It was slimy and it was slippery. It was loaded with deflection. And they just sent, they sent him out there as a sacrificial lamb. It has not been received well. And by the way, it was not terribly well received by the Tampa crowd and Tampa I is know. not exactly a progressive place. I don't I mean, think they knew what to do with it. When, when they said, you'll never hear us talking about politics, religion, and any other subject matter that's devices. That's where it, Titus paused. And I'm not sure the audience knew what to do. Well, it seemed like he was waiting for them to applaud and they were waiting for something to applaud. And there was yeah. this, this awkward moment where it's like, okay, we're supposed to clap here. And then there was a half-hearted like handful of people that kind of cheered it, but really late, like almost comically late. Um, And by the way, when they started the show, they fade in Mm -hmm. and it's an empty ring. And there is nothing more terrifying now with everything going on than WWE announcing someone's about to speak. I know. (laughs) It's like, that's the first thing. I I just have like, like, Vince PTSD where it's like, no, no, do I have to shut this off already? Um, it it was actually use Twitter before I start watching raw just to just make sure. Like I always have to be like 10 minutes behind just so it's like, okay, if it's coming, I can't watch it right now. I have to mentally prepare for the talk about a safe haven. They call this a safe. This is what we're doing. (laughs) Yeah. We're terrified to watch the product out of fear. Yeah. A safe haven from the owner, please. Could we have one of those? And by the way, again, Let's point out, no, nothing has moved on the Vince front. He's still back there working creative. He obviously wrote that speech. And by the way, that last night's Raw really was an example of Vince booking. It felt rushed. Mm. It felt last minute. Nothing made sense. It was just kind of here, there, and everywhere. And it's the type of show that you could definitely see. Someone wrote something, 
Vince tore it up and said, this is what we're going to do. And it was a dog shit raw. It was a very, very bad raw. There were a couple of bright spots, but overall it was three hours. There were a lot of recaps, a lot of long winded promos that went nowhere. Uh, They were just literally filling time. And yet another disrespectful Bianca Belair and Carmella (laughs) match. You don't. Yes. No, I, I, I like that I have I have seen that match already and I've seen too much of it already and we're gonna do it again. I know. It's just madness. Then again, it was another like segment to segment. It was like commercial break in between and then too long. Yeah. Too long. A Carmella Bianca Belair match should be a three minute squash. That's it. And and again, what what did that further? Well, let's I guess we should go there. there's the good, the bad, and the what the fuck is happening. Yes. The raw. Yes. Um, Let's let's start with some good. Yeah, let's start with some good, which is yeah. immediately after this Titus promo, this Becky Lynch promo. Man, does she love a train. Let me tell you, she really took this train analogy to a whole nother level. But yeah. she says it's so good. I could listen to Becky Lynch for three hours straight. She, I, thought, I thought that trail was I thought that train was coming off the rails for a second because it was <laughs> like because it felt it felt like her stuff feels really organic. Yeah, and her stuff always feels like. Becky Lynch material. She kind of was winding through this weird train analogy. And I'm like, uh Oh, <laughs> it's like, is this going to be a literal train wreck of a promo? <laughs> and nice. she, no, she and, but she recovered. She took it somewhere. And uh, by the way, she was dressed again. So now she is uh, starting to experiment a little further with uh, her garb. Cause for a while she was wearing the, the black uh, you know, Daft heel Punk. ensemble. Yeah. And last night she was wearing a white hoodie. It looked like she was dressed like Padme Amidala. Like she was just in a, it was a very different look for her. It even yeah. had like, it had this like tech patch on it. Like it was a half hoodie. It was yes. like a hoodie that was just the hood and then kind of like hung uh, in the front. And there was like a name Suspenders. badge that almost looked like a Star Wars thing. Yeah. It was, it was weird and cool. Like everything yeah. she does. Um, so I like her hair, the two, the two mini ponytails. I'm thinking yeah. about trying that. I like her that. Pre- her presentation is always a God, like Seriously. She, she knows what she's doing to the point where I think, I think they kind of let everything go with her. I don't think that there's much direction to her anymore. Cause she's got it. Becky Lynch could read like a dishwasher manual and it would be, I would be like, I'm in done. Tell me more. I want to know more about the troubleshooting of my new dishwasher. Well, because she's found her character. Oh, like she's so in, good. in comedy, they called it, uh, I think Mark Marin has called it finding your clown, mm. where it's like you put in your years, and the first few years you're a comedian, you're doing your impression of a comedian. Like, oh, this is how a comedian talks. This is what a comedian would say. And, but you're not really, you're, you're not you yet. You're not mm. your character yet. And when you build your clown, that makes you refillable, meaning that you are somebody that no matter what you say on stage or no matter what someone writes for you, you have a defined enough voice where people kind of get what you're doing. And so it's easy to say, oh, that, yeah, that's a so-and-so joke. That's, a, that's so-and-so's style. And I think Becky's got that in wrestling, that she's, she's, found her, she's found her promo style, and it came after the man gimmick, which was like arguably her most popular thing. Oh, but I love the man. The, I know, Big Time I, Bex is good. I do like Big Time Bex, but there's something about the man. I just the like man, her as a baby They face. tried to script too much. Because she was a baby face and I think she's a natural heel and I think they were trying to guide her. And so a lot of those promos, actually, there's more stutters, there's more stops, there's more uncertainty. Now there's none. 
Now that she's yeah. just blowing through these promos and doing great. I put Lynch in legends category. Like when I talk totally. about great WWE superstars, I talk about Cena, the rock and Lynch. Like those are, I will list people and be like, this is, this is the best of the best. And she is all, she, she's not even retired. She's still working. And yep. I think she's a legend already. I'm, honestly, I've been watching just about 40 years and she's the best I've, I've seen in the women's division. For sure. She's an all time great in my mind, uh, both on the stick and in the ring. Love what she does. She's my my current favorite wrestler, period. Uh, I love everything that she does. Uh, What I don't love is what came next, which is the women interrupting women promos. Um, So we had Bianca come out. And At least it's know, women interrupting women. At least it's yeah. not men interrupting women. I'll take it. Is this progress? I'll take the progress. I guess, but it's definitely men writing women. Interrupting <laughs> I mean, women. also uh, the yeah. whole thing. I mean, yes. Bianca comes out and is like Becky, Becky, Becky. And then Carmella comes out and is like, Bianca, Bianca, Bianca. <laughs> well, come on, guys. <laughs> First of all, nobody talks like that. Second of all, that trope has been used Tommy, for the last Tommy, two Tommy. Exactly. But see, that was sincere. Um, <laughs> and not written. Each of those promos, first of all, Bianca is better than that type of material. Let her, let her interrupt in, a, in her own way. Don't sure. give her a, a like milk toast done before promo. And then Carmella came out. And so this week, the, the supposedly WWE was moving to uh, P, you know, a, a TVMA. It was going to move to a, a no TV 14. Rate. Oh, TV 14. I'm sorry. Not MA. Don't yeah, get crazy. MA. That's yeah. That's that'll be next, by the way. <laughs> so that they'll bring felt, back raw underground for that one. I felt like the announcement for TV 14 was kind of a, uh, a diversionary tactic because more came out about Vince McMahon through the wall street journal. Mm. And there's, so, there's scuttlebutt that more is coming out. So I think that they kind of did that almost as like a, Hey, look over here. And it worked because people were talking about it. Um, My, my my favorite tweet about it. And it's impossible to tell who did it first because I've seen it attributed to like so many different people, but somebody circulated the meme of like uh, WWE is really taking this TV 14 thing hard. And it was a picture of a WWE's website, their superstars page. And uh, it was Seth fucking Rollins, (laughs) which is, a plus to whoever did that. Like, I, I, again, I wish I could shout out whoever tweeted that first, but I've seen it tweeted by at least a dozen people. So. Oh, that is really funny. That Whoever, is funny. Whoever's that is, nice work. Uh, excellent. I mean, if they think that changing their rating to TV 14 is going to solve their problems. I mean, you don't drop to under 2 million viewers on one of the biggest networks in the world because you're doing good work, especially given that there's very, very little competition right now. It's summertime. There's not really too much airing opposite SmackDown or Raw, quite frankly. But, you know, SmackDown's going to draw a larger rating because it's a larger it's a larger network. Sure. Uh, and they're just not doing the numbers right now. And it's because the product is bad. I mean, we started the show for the first few weeks and we were so excited because Raw had taken a turn for the better. Yeah. And for weeks and weeks, it was good. And it seems like the second this Vince stuff came out, all of a sudden, it just there's there is a there's so there is a joy. It's yeah, clear. there's a there's a joy at AEW and we'll talk about them later, mm. but there's a joy and there's an energy there that is gone from WWE. WWE is a very lifeless product right now. It's just like, 
It's light on your face when you watch TV. That's all it is. It's not really saying or doing anything. Um, Carmela had her Attitude Era line that I, I'm, by the way, I'm going to backtrack on this. So Carmela said, uh, I'm a badass with a great ass. And uh, Mm. by the way, shockingly, didn't get her any extra heat. But uh, (laughs) so. I mean, when you you got the goods, you talk about it. But uh, so I was at first like grossed out by that line because it was one of those things where I had a knee jerk reaction to it because it felt so it felt so contrived. Uh, And then I realized, oh, okay, I fellas to the dudes out there when you have knee jerk reactions to stuff. All right. Sometimes you got to backtrack. You got to look at things with fresh eyes and say when you're wrong. And I was wrong because this is an industry where it's about bodies. And yeah. there's no difference between Carmela saying that and someone flexing their biceps or, you know, someone doing some kind of provocative pose on the rings. It, it doesn't matter. So I was, but it did feel like they were like, Ooh, we're, we're going to TV 14 soon. We're going to TV <laughs> 14 soon. It. This is the kind of stuff we're going to do. And it was, it, it felt silly and, and awkward, but uh, yeah, this, as the, long as they don't, you know, keep talking about massive balls like at a certain point i'm like you made the joke like and let's, boy they did let us let us you know as long as Julie, carmella makes the, the joke and moves on balls. i just i just like as long it's like oh my god we get it you think big balls are funny <laughs> that was their big closer on. was big balls jesus christ the match was very forgettable it was a bianca belair carmella match again we've seen right. it before it was too, too long, long. Uh, but we had Becky Lynch on commentary. We saw, before, we saw it the week before, didn't we? Yeah. We saw it literally seven days ago. And on the premium live event previous. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just too much. But so there was, again, Becky Lynch, everything she does is great. So she was on commentary and she tried to distract Bianca from rolling back into the ring before she was counted out by saying there was something on her shoe. That was very <laughs> amusing. Like she, everything she does is world class. Like I love Every time she's near a microphone now and her commentary, they should put her on commentary. Like they do it with Jericho and AEW put, put a Becky on commentary all the time. Yeah. She's good. She's clearly taking those improv classes. Yeah. Excellent. But I can't, I can't think of any way to more poorly book a dominant champion or a big star than to put them in three long debilitating matches against Carmella. It's it's, you know what it would be like putting Roman Reigns in a trilogy of long matches against Dominic Mysterio. Like that, that would be the equivalent. Mm. And it, it just, it, it doesn't make any sense. Mm. So I was, yeah. I was happy when it was over. Yeah. Um, what else That's do we fair. have? Oh, yeah. Let's you talk about the, the bad. Yes. Well, there's a lot of that. Lots of it. Uh, what was going on with that theory promo? <laughs> it was hard to identify because again, I think we, we mentioned it last week. Theory is a lot like Carmella in that mm. he's not bad at anything. He's good at pretty much everything. And I think he's an above average worker in the ring. Mm. I think I found what the problem is last night. And it was because he's being overexposed. Uh, last night, he was grossly overexposed. And it was because they let him just run a segment. They just let him run roughshod over the whole show where he was doing, he was throwing a recaps and he was doing a promo and it, but the problem with theory is, who is he? Who is he? That we don't know. Is he's he's got a good body. He's a he good takes worker. Selfies. 
He takes selfies. By the way, I am 48 years old. I take selfies. That's not a character trait. Okay. So you sure. Yeah. But positive. And he, so some people on Instagram do make it a character trait. Okay. To- well, totally. Some of them monetize it. I haven't found a way to do <laughs> Their that. Their whole character. Um, but so with theory, I, I think Stone Cold Steve Austin is the person I've heard say this most mm. is that with a wrestler, uh, you are yourself, but with the volume turned up to 11. And mm. I don't think Theory's that. I think Theory is a guy they hand material to. He recites the material. Again, it's that impression of a wrestler. He is doing what they tell him to, and he is succeeding at what they tell him to. I don't know who he is. And again, he's got, there's a lot of problems with his presentation. He's still wearing jobber tights. He's still wearing jobber garb. And he doesn't have a personality. If he never had to touch a microphone, okay, which by the way, again, he's not bad at it. There's just nothing there. And so if he was just a wrestler, he's a good wrestler. He mm-hmm. could have good wrestling matches. He has had good wrestling matches and has been willing to put his body on the line. Like when he got F5'd off the top of the elimination chamber, uh, that was crazy. He's willing to do a lot. The problem is, is that there's nothing tangible that you can grab with him he is he's like a the ghost of a wrestler and i don't i don't think the heat that he's getting i think is an amalgamation of his real life heat from the from the uh speaking out movement where he he was caught doing some stuff online that wasn't too great um i think that there's his connection to vince mcmahon yeah where it's both storyline and i think in reality i think vince has taken a shine to him and uh, of all the wrestlers on the roster to take a shine to, interesting choice. Um, so I, I think his heat is, Heels. well, his, his, heel, his heel persona and his heel heat is based on something other than what he does in the ring and on the mic. Mm. I think it's just based, I, and, and also, again, he's being overexposed. So people are like, enough already. He's getting everything. He's got the money in the bank briefcase. He's in main event matches. He's on both shows. It's like, it's theory all the time. And he's yeah. not ready for that. And, and by the way, he could be in a year's time, in two years time. I've seen, especially in comedy, but with wrestling too, when you give enough like top level chances to someone, eventually they'll start hitting it. Eventually yeah. they'll get to that level, even when they're not. But I just, I don't know. Like right now, he's an incomplete for me. I can't give him an A to F grade. Yeah. Okay. No, I get it. But that Um, promo was not good. No, that promo was really rough. That was was a time filler. And also the death of any promo is the what chant. Oh, people have slowed down the what chant in recent years because it's, it's stupid. Yeah. And it, it ruins the product, but they were, they were wanting him not because the promo was gaining so much heat, but because, again, he's reciting. He doesn't believe it. That's like, a good point. That's when The Rock point. cut a promo, he believed every word that he said. When Becky everything. Lynch cut her promo about exactly. trains. It yeah. was the most believable metaphor about trains that I've ever heard in my life. I would get on a train for Becky Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> and it came full circle. It but did. The, uh, but the, that promo was yeah. literally just a time filler. And yeah. again, on a three hour a show, you time need some time too. filling, but that was not an entertaining time filler. I could feel a lot of television shutting off during that promo. And yeah. so he's, he was there cutting a promo before wrestling AJ Styles, who WWE should treat him like HBK. And instead they treat him like Dolph Ziggler, 
Speaking mm. of which, Dolph Ziggler at ringside again, <laughs> uh, causing a countout loss for Theory. By the way, which is good. Got to knock Theory down a few pegs. You can't have him just beating everybody with a wicked super kick. Mm. I mean, it, nobody throws a better super kick than Dolph Ziggler. I like the inclusion of Ziggler. They, there's still no context for it. There's still no explanation for it. And, and I hope it's coming. But Dolph is one of those guys that's so talented that you can bring him off the bench to a main event program and it's believable. Yeah. Because he, the problem is, is that they've jobbed him out for so long that anytime he comes back, you know, he's just there to feed the other opponent. Yeah, but I, I mean, he's what, 40 or near is 40? Is he really? Oh, God, yeah. he looks so good. I'll look it up, but I know, I know he's, he's in his late 30s, if, if not older. And he should be doing shampoo commercials. That hair is the best on the roster, especially now that Edge cut his and he's he's not there anymore. Just oh, he's he's a good look. looking guy for whatever reason who loves comedians. Uh, I don't <laughs> okay. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> he's funny. He could he could definitely do that. Yeah, I mean, I, Dolph certainly has. He's put in his time. He's done stand up comedy. He took a bunch of classes at the Groundlings, which if you don't know did what he that really? is, really? Oh yeah, he God. did. No, he, okay. he probably spent a fortune there. Yeah, he was taking classes at the Groundlings with, which if you don't know, that's it. There's basically two places where people train to get on Saturday Night Live. One is Second City in Chicago. The other one is the Groundlings in Los Angeles. Uh, it was home to the, the mo- one of the most famous ones was Phil Hartman. Who mm. Phil Hartman oh, was, Phil I think Hartman. he was the oldest, uh, the oldest ever signed to SNL. Because mm. he was already, he was a, like a grizzled veteran when they picked him up. And he was there mm-hmm. for forever. And th- they called him the glue because he kept the cast together. And he was so good, he almost never broke. So Dolph has got the skills, and I like him in this position. I, I, again, anything but the same people they have been running over and over again for the last few months. Well, but, they uh, have someone new. Uh, his name is Logan Paul. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and what could have been if they had just booked him properly? Um, what, is, what is going on here, Tommy? That segment. So uh, we have put over the Miz a lot. Because we love him. Yeah, yeah, he's really good at his job. Right. Uh, he's a great annoying heel. He's very competent in the ring. Again, you can bust him down to the undercard or lift him up to the upper card, and wherever he is, he's going to give you gold. A Miz TV segment with Logan Paul to tease a match at SummerSlam, and it, I don't think it could have gone worse. Um, and by the way, mostly not Miz's fault. Uh, though Miz did not have a great promo, it wasn't a bad promo, and he was trying to feed Paul. So there you is. You didn't like the new custom merch shirt that he had on at the end. <sighs> you didn't go out and buy that in bulk. It was cringe from beginning to end. I, Paul, by the way, so Logan Paul, who is a great athlete and put yeah. on a fantastic match at WrestleMania, with literally no flaws, unbelievably mm-hmm. great celebrity match. And to the level where now he is signed as a competitor to WWE, which is a huge get for them. But at the end of that match, Miz turned on him so that Logan Paul could ostensibly become a babyface because Miz is a heel. Wrong turn. Wrong turn. You have Paul turn on Miz and Miz is a guy that has worked as a babyface before. Why not? Because Paul as a and, and supposedly the rumor is that Paul made the ask that he wants to be a babyface. You should know his brand better than that. Yeah. That's disappointing. Well, well, his brand, though, are people that love Logan Paul. He doesn't understand that people outside of his brand hate Logan Paul and that there's money in that in wrestling. 
So I Logan would say Paul, more people hate Logan Paul than they love Logan Paul. Well, he's got a lot of money. I think a lot of people love him, unfortunately. But so the, the, he got a case of the mush mouths and Miz was really trying to lead him. And so here's the here's the thing that gets me. Logan Paul, though known as a boxer and now known as a professional wrestler. What's his normal job? YouTuber. He's a YouTuber. Yeah. He's a YouTuber. Someone who Why talks are you for getting a case hours. of the mushmouths on camera? Yeah. That's your job. That was your first job anyway. Now he's got several others, but how could he not cut a good promo? It's maddening. And it just it spun out from there. And so I guess we're getting Miz and uh and Logan Paul at SummerSlam. I don't care now. This this didn't help sell it at all. And they closed the show with that. That's an absolute wet fart of a close. Like you you couldn't close the show worse unless you closed it with Titus's promo. Well, I have a question for you as our resident fanatic Ah. and and historian of WWE. Can you tell me about the best celebrities who joined WWE and why it worked? So I had to think about this and then I had to research it because the first few that came to mind, I'm like, oh, there's more than that. And my initial reaction was, oh, the list of terrible ones is going to be way longer (laughs) than the list of the good ones. I was wrong. The list of good ones are very impressive. Interesting. So I'll I'll give you the worst first just to get them out of the way. Um, And this one's going to be controversial. I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to start controversial. Tyson Fury. Uh, Tyson Fury, who is a gigantic boxer, uh, very good at boxing and uh, a guy that I I will admit, I don't like Tyson Fury because he has used uh, racist angles to sell his boxing matches, Mm. which I don't dig on, Uh, especially he's done some anti-Latino stuff that really bothered me. But again, I whatever, I'll 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 just evaluate him as a professional wrestler. Not good. Not good. Just he. He wrestled a giant match against Braun Strowman. It was sloppy. It wasn't entertaining. So it was it horrible. No, I mean, he held his own. Mm-hmm. It was a celebrity match, but it wasn't it, it didn't do anything for me. Um, and then I'm just going to bury comedians because it's just a list of comedians. Uh, John Stewart. Why? What, what were you doing there, John? Yeah, what was yeah. he doing there? He, he hit John Cena with a chair. I think it was it's okay. just okay. It was it was silly. Uh, it didn't help anything. It didn't further anything. It was just, hey, John Stewart likes wrestling. Let's have him on. And it you know, didn't work for me. Uh, Michael Che and Colin Jost. Oh. Um, yeah, not funny. Uh, not uh, entertaining in the ring. They just basically mm-hmm. got thrown out of a Royal Rumble. Uh, Drew Carey, same thing. Drew um, Carey, okay. This to promote uh, the Price is Right. Uh, I don't know what it was. No, this was, this was before the price is right. This is this like Bob Barker was still like deep into the price is right. While this happened, this was like, this was chubby. This This was chubby. uh, Drew Carey. This was like fresh off the Drew Carey show. Drew Carey, Uh, which by the way, underrated sitcom, Uh, Hmm. very, very good sitcom. One of the few like blue collar working place uh, sitcoms and still very funny. Um, So Let's go to the worst of the worst. Uh, Snooky. Um, not what? terrible. Not terrible in the ring, but it's Snooky. Uh, I got to give that a huge, huge okay. no. I got to go back um, and watch that. I don't think I've seen it. So Steve-O. Um, so 
Johnny Knoxville, who put on a very entertaining WrestleMania match, a yeah. shockingly entertaining WrestleMania match. Uh, before that, Steve-O, and I think it was Chris Pontius, but the two of them uh, were in the ring with Umaga, the late Umaga, the great Samoan bulldozer. And um, Steve-O, I, I don't know if he has said that he was like loopy and didn't know what to do, but so it was umaga's job to destroy the jackass guys mm. and steve-o was laughing and like didn't go down when he was supposed to go down and umaga stiffed the absolute shit out of him i mean just nailed him over and over again until he stayed down oh. and, and the thing was because steve-o is the That's guy who lesson. takes he takes punishment it took yeah. him a while to stop smiling and so, wow. Yeah, so Umaga basically beat him until he couldn't smile anymore. <laughs> so that was Man. that was pretty ugly. Um not a huge fan of Rob Rob Gronkowski. Um okay. Rob Gronkowski was the host of WrestleMania during the pandemic. Uh he legendarily did not want to fall off the stage, so Vince McMahon showed him how to fall. So I think the the worst ones some of them were god awful. Most of them were just like the okay-ish or why are you here variety. Mm. The best ones, um, I'm going to say the best one as far as like what had the most impact for the wrestling business and society as a whole was Mike Tyson. Huh? Because Mike Tyson refereeing Stone Cold Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania in Boston. That was a pivotal moment for WWE where they were behind WCW and that was the big pop culture moment that they needed to turn the tide and boy did it ever because WCW didn't last much further than that. Mm. Uh, WCW was actually trying to get Mike Tyson for an event or two and they couldn't. And when WWE did it, it was it just at the time Tyson's notoriety and his, his inf infamy was huge. It was worldly known and it was that got covered, not just on like ESPN, as a real news, as a real sports news story, it got covered on like local news mm. as a regular news story. So when there was that scrum where Tyson and Austin were shoving each other and Vince was involved in it, that was a world bending event for WWE. So he's probably the number one as far as like uh, actual um, Im impact in the wrestling business. That uh, makes La sense. Lawrence Taylor, Lawrence Taylor, uh, New York giant. Great. Uh, one of the all time greats at NFL football. He wrestled Bam Bam Bigelow at WrestleMania. That closed a WrestleMania. And Shoot. that was a lot of trust. A lot of trust they put in Lawrence Taylor. And he delivered. It wasn't a great technical match, but Bam Bam did his job and LT did his. And that was a good celebrity match. That actually set the bar for celebrity matches for a while. Hmm. Um, I think Bad Bunny was a huge deal. Both, again, that Latino audience, but also Bad Bunny. Great in the ring. Really yeah. athletic. And also so much a huge so that, fan, naturally. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think you can nail a Canadian destroyer without being a big fan. Like, I wouldn't even begin to know how to try a Canadian destroyer without breaking either my neck or the other person's <laughs> neck. But he did it. And it's a really, really great celebrity wrestler. Um, Logan Paul's up there. Uh, that WrestleMania match was outstanding. As far as athleticism, Stephen Amell, Green Arrow. That guy, he was friends with Cody Rhodes, and he now has his own wrestling TV show, Heels. Um, wrestled very competently. Uh, again, not outstanding, but really great for a celebrity, and guy's in great shape. And so Stephen Amell's on that list. Hugh Jackman got physical. 
I yes. Okay, so I saw him in the Music Man, which was awesome. Everybody go check it out. And there were so many elderly, wonderful women who were obsessed with him. (laughs) And I remember him in Wolverine. And I was like, this man is beloved by so many different demographics of people. How did he do this? He's one of the few people that like like guys, guy, man's men types still like, even though he's a musical theater guy and really good at it. Um, So Hugh Jackman's on the list. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger showed up. um, I think he was there to promote his movie end of days, which is uh, not great, but uh, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, I was a huge fan. He got me into bodybuilding when I was really young and he was the closest thing to like a professional wrestler actually on screen at the time. And so he punched Triple H and it was a pretty good working punch. So much so that I think he probably gave a Triple H a nod on his head because <laughs> it looked too good to be true, but threw a punch and it, it worked and it was a big pop by the crowd. Uh, Got to mention the 80s ones, Cindy Lauper and Mr. T. Oh, I mean, geez. so Mr. T had to actually compete and not a great wrestler, but looked the part and definitely was a huge celebrity that got a lot of people through the door, helped WrestleMania become a big uh, worldwide phenomenon. Cindy Lauper, again, not part of a match, but she was involved in storylines. I think she was friends with Captain Lou Albano. And so Cindy Lauper, one of the biggest musicians in the mid 80s, and there she is on, on WWF TV. And she was part of the rock and roll era, the rock and roll wrestling era. And that was a huge deal to get the non-carny audience that they caught and held on to for many years. Uh, Elvira, it mm. wasn't a particularly great segment. I just love Elvira and would love to say her name anytime I can. So I love Elvira and she's on the list. Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time. He's there to ref a match at WrestleMania. And that's a huge, huge get. Um, huh. They don't then, do that as much. I mean, I know the the Jeff Jarrett's back to re- ref a match, but they really don't do guest referees. Jeff Jarrett is as far from a celebrity as you could possibly <laughs> get. He's an anti-celebrity. Um, so and then a couple to close out. Uh, Floyd Mayweather. Okay. Uh, again, t- uh, small guy, tiny boxer, wrestled the big show. That was fun. It was fun. Yeah. And he was willing to do some pretty insane spots. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly took a bump. I'll, I'll give him some credit for that. And uh, Pete Rose. <laughs> oh, did he really? Oh, my Pete God. Pete Rose, a natural heel, coming out to run down the crowd <sighs> and getting tombstoned by Kane in several uh, pay-per-view events. Uh, that was always fun, watching him just get planted by Kane a few times. So that's a, I, I mean, I was surprised at how many good celebrity appearances there have been. Hmm. And the, the bad ones, again, the bad ones, some of them weren't even that bad. Some of them, they, more than anything, when it's unnecessary, then don't have it happen. It doesn't need yeah. to happen. And they're doing less of that because they realize, oh, our stars are in-house. We don't need to bring in any stars to give us more eyeballs. We have, mm-hmm. you know, we have the stars in-house. Now it's more about making those stars even bigger. Uh, I wish they would give their stars bigger material mm-hmm. <laughs> to make that happen. I agree. I so, agree. Um, well, speaking of, of someone yeah. who I think is a star... And could could use more material. Kevin Owens, I think. Yeah. I'm glad he's uh, back. I always liked Kevin Owens. I think he he knows how to cut a promo as well. He's a good promo cutter. This segment though was a little It was well, weird. Uh, I don't know. It, was it wasn't it wasn't a show. He just talked the whole time. It was like you're not even interviewing Riddle. What is happening? So I think in late June, uh, Dave Meltzer reported that Kevin Owens had a minor injury 
Mm. So he was taking time off to rehab and it was, it was supposedly not a big deal and that he'd be back shortly and, and has been. Uh, Kevin Owens is a guy though, like, kind of like Steve Austin in that when Steve Austin was injured and couldn't compete, they'd have him come out and cut promos. They would have him come out and be entertaining. Yeah. They, should, they should do that with Kevin Owens unless Kevin Owens was just taking time off, which is yeah. always possible. I mean, Kevin Owens did sign a brand new contract. I'm sure there's some time in there spent. You know, he, there's no way he would have signed a new deal without time in there for his family. So maybe that's what it was. Um, but yeah, Kevin Owens is the type of guy that even if he's not wrestling, put him on TV. He's going to do something fun. Such a good talker. I agree. I agree. And now, did you get the sense that the storyline with Ezekiel is over? Is this, is this done? I, I, I feel like I got going. no resolution out of this no, angle, if that's I, the case. I think it's still going and it okay. just feels like it's over because there's, I don't think they know where it's going. And I feel so bad for Ezekiel slash Elias. Because you have to make a decision. Yeah. Either it, it, you, you have to make a decision. Either he is the brother or he is the same person. Just well, you've got to make a choice. And to call it out, by the way, Ezekiel had the match of the night with Seth Rollins. Yeah. And it was, and it, normally Seth can ru- wrestle with a broom and make it look good, but Ezekiel really brought it. And that mm-hmm. was a very old school, smash mouth, hard hitting, like very classic wrestling match. It's the type of thing that you would, you would have seen 30 years ago, 40 years ago, but in a good way. It was a very like textbook wrestling match. It was entertaining, but again, it doesn't further any storyline really. And so you're just, so now Ezekiel is basically jobber to the stars where he is losing to all these top tier guys. So is that what he is now? Is he's, he's just out there to lose every match. And so I feel terrible because he's, he's in the primer of his career. Uh, I think he's in his mid thirties. He's in fantastic shape. He rehabbed to, from a gruesome injury to come back. And so he, he's a guy that they should do more with. And I don't know that this Ezekiel storyline is the right thing. I don't know how much of it is his. That's the other thing too, is that it's hard to, it's hard to criticize the angle when you don't know if the performer has a stake in it, whether they've written part of it or whether they've designed part of it. So I don't want to slam the, the whole Ezekiel storyline. But it's got to go somewhere because it's going nowhere right now. Well, that's the problem is I think it's really funny and I think they've done a lot of really good things with it. But at a certain point, you you have to make a choice. And here's the problem. They didn't know the ending. They wrote this without knowing what the ending was. And that's that was that I felt like when I worked at WWE, that was everything. We would write things and not know where it was going, particularly comedy segments. All the time we would write comedy bits. And I'm like you got to have a strong punchline at the end here or the audience is going to hate you for it because you've dragged them along and you aren't coming in with something funny. Given the volume of comedians that they have hired and comedy writers that they have hired for writing positions at WWE, it is maddening that they don't promote comedy better. They don't, they, they it's like, leave. it's almost as if like every comedy writer that comes to WWE, they put their best stuff out and WWE is like, all right, we're going to do it the way we've done before. Like, no, now, wh- why would you waste your, why are you paying these people? Let them, let them write something funny for you. I think that they're very, they, it's almost an overconfidence where you have guys that do comedy well, like Kevin Owens, and they want to, they think that they can do a comedy segment with anyone. And that's just not how it works. Mm. If you watch a movie where an actor is playing a stand-up comedian it never worked. It has never worked. It didn't work for Tom Hanks. It's going to work for anybody else. No, 
you cannot have someone playing a stand-up comedian effectively because there's just no way to do it. So why are you giving someone who's not good at comedy, who doesn't have the chops, a comedy bit? It's, yeah. it, it's just like you're asking for it to go over poorly. And that's why where AEW does things better in the comedy realm is because they know who their comedy guys are and they let them do comedy. They don't force like a serious dude to do comedy. It makes no sense what they do at WWE. But again, that's, that's the way they've done things and they will continue to do them until something up top changes. Can I say who the best comedy duo at WWE currently is? Becky and KO in their digital exclusives. Oh, that was fun. You sent me that. Yes. Kevin Owens and Becky have this bit backstage where Kevin Owens is sulking and Becky is just there to support him in his sulking. It is so (laughs) funny. This is the second time that I've seen it. They may have done it more. And I'm now I want a storyline with Becky and KO. It's so I'm like, bring that to TV. That's what you should be doing. I like them. I think that's great. Well, in that uh, segment, if you can find it online, by the way, it's fun. It's, so it's a, like funny. a compilation segment of different backstage things that didn't air on the show. But in that segment, so KO, not only just funny, but he's very, very Canadian. And <laughs> Becky is very, very Irish. And so the two of them, when they are themselves, like they were, because that, was that wasn't a promo as much as it was just a live mic in front of two people. Yes. And those two styles of humor and those two like lineages are very funny on their own. And then yeah. as a, t- as a team, very, very funny together. So I, I love that. I agree. I like ending on, on this note for raw, if that's okay, Tommy, do you want to plug it so that we can talk about some AEW? Yeah, you can find Monday night raw on Monday nights. Interestingly enough at eight <laughs> o'clock on USA And uh, also WWE Smackdown is Friday night at eight on Fox, wherever your local listings are. So ladies and gentlemen, I have taken it upon myself to be uh, Turnbuckle's resident AEW spokesperson. I'm so excited. Uh, I am watching three hours of AEW programming a week. That is not including the clips I I sometimes watch online. Uh, They do uh, AEW Dark and uh, a lot of AEW stars have their own YouTube pages and content. But... They do uh, two shows a week, and I am watching them, and I'm going to recap that with Julie in a segment called AEW and Sometimes Why. AEW and Sometimes Why. Again, this is the type of situation where I never saw myself turning away from WWE as much as I have, mm-hmm. but the, it's the corporate horror that is going on right yeah. now, the total shit show that is never ending and is just grossing me out week by week. I I'm here to cover raw and I'm here to cover SmackDown and I'm here to cover WWE wrestlers. But as far as the umbrella overhead, not happy at all. And again, we, we alluded to it earlier, partially because they're just not putting out a joyful program. They're putting out a very stilted, rigid, old feeling like spinning your wheels program that is not fun to cover sometimes i know they were hurting the week that john cena came back and the ratings went down Mm. that was a huge problem that should have been a a pop that was like that should have been another four or five hundred thousand viewers and instead it was less and And aew needs to take advantage of this they do and they're putting on good programming so the one thing that is a huge difference between aew and wwe is that AEW's programming is fast. 
It's lightning quick. Mm. The matches are very fast paced and they're very action packed. The uh, backstage segments are short and tight. They're not always good. <laughs> I will say that there's, so there is, because there is a lack of a writer's room, there is sometimes a lack of good material. And occasionally there are people in AEW that can cut a great promo without a word written on the page. And then there are other people that need the guidance and the people that need the guidance are cutting some real shit promos, unfortunately. But so don't do it just, yeah. and, and, and AEW last week. So they do a, a two weeks a year is fighter fest. So it's two weeks a year where they put on basically main event level matches like they would on a pay-per-view on their free television show. So last week was week one and dynamite opened with the match of the summer uh, I've been putting them over every single week. I'm going to continue really to are. do so. Ryan TNT Gosling. championship match, Orange Cassidy versus Wardlow. Oh, wow. uh, I can't wait to interview Ryan Gosling on the show one day. Uh, he doesn't speak very much, which by oh. the way, again, great gimmick. And so um, I, by the way, I misspoke a few weeks ago about Orange. When we, when we did uh -oh. the Orange Cassidy, uh, that does Retraction. work for me, brother. Um, so... Orange Cassidy did not debut the Orange Cassidy gimmick in 2019. That's when he started at AEW. He did debut it within the few years before that, but it's, it's, oh. it's unconfirmed on his Wikipedia. I can't find the exact moment where he debuted the gimmick, but I know someone that booked him for an indie show in Boston uh, in 2017, I think. And he said even back then, so it was full gimmick. He looked exactly like he does now. and. He said that it was like a high school gym and Cassidy, he loved Cassidy, said he was great to work with. And he said that everything in the gym, like meaning a partition holding up the ceiling and that kind of thing, he found something lazy to do with. So like at some point he tagged out of a match and was just leaning up against the partition. And every time he tagged out, he'd go and lean up against the partition. He just uses the space, which is, I think what, when we talk about a character having like, where theory's missing this, where a character, you know what they're going to do in any circumstance. You know what they're going to say in any circumstance because mm. you know them. Oh, and sure. With, sure. Yeah, so Cassidy is one of those guys that like, he's just going to use the space with his orange Cassidy isms. And it's always going to work because he's worked on the on the character, which I think may have started as a joke and is now a full fledged, like really good Great gimmick. joke. Yeah. I, I, th I think honestly that people are going to think I'm crazy for saying this, but it's, it's like an there, undertaker. Yeah, well, of course. Uh, <laughs> it's an undertaker type gimmick. It's oh, a gimmick sure. that needs to be protected. It's a gimmick that needs to be fed, but it's a gimmick that works and keep it working. So mm -hmm. this match, I was really worried because Wardlow is their Goldberg. Wardlow is a big, huge guy, which by the way, weight differential, Wardlow weighs about 275. Orange Cassidy weighs about 175. He is a hundred pounds on him. Oh my God. hundred pound difference between the men. Uh, so this was. Is that unrealistic, Tommy? That feels, I don't think that would ever happen at WWE. That's what I was worried about. And so remember Rey Mysterio, who's going to have his 20th anniversary coming up yes. next week. Yes. In, in uh, it, I think it's. And Brock uh, Lesnar, right? Yes. So that's the, the big Madison Square Garden Raw. Yeah. Um, but so Rey Mysterio made a living and won a world championship at under 200 pounds. I think Rey's probably a little over that now. He seems a little heftier, but he's, he was a tiny guy when he started out. Yeah. And so it's wrestling. 
It's professional wrestling. Sure. Sure. That doesn't have to make sense. And so my worry was Wardlow is, he's not green by any stretch of the imagination. He's good. He's really good in the ring. He works a big man style. He's super strong. I was worried he was just going to mow down Cassidy. And Cassidy mm-hmm. is a guy, uh, they, by the, they open the show, by the way. This is, sometimes it's charming when this happens. So AEW, because it is not a gigantic production like WWE, there were some tech problems up front. So they open the show with Orange Cassidy versus Wardlow. By the way, great choice. Hot open. Nice job uh, by the Turner people. So they opened with tech problems. They botched Orange's entrance because the camera had a great shot of Orange emerging from the back in a shaft of like orange uh, smoke. They had the smoke machine on and the orange light. And here comes Orange Cassidy. And they cut to a random shot of Wardlow backstage by accident. Oh, no. <laughs> and it was clearly not meant to happen, but it gets worse. Um, so instead of cutting back to Orange's great entrance, they cut to random shot of Justin Roberts in the ring, the ring announcer. <laughs> so, totally, totally missed. But they recovered nicely. Oh, uh, no. Orange comes out to Starship's uh, Jane, which is just the best theme in wrestling right now. And so they did, again, a little cool little thing instead of doing a long backstage promo they had orange and uh his best friends the tag team best friends trent beretta and uh, chuck taylor who are a great tag team in their own right and i think trent beretta is an excellent wrestler who could wrestle as a single they're a fun gimmick and they're Mm. orange's best friends and they're saying that uh they're gonna do everything they can and they're baby faces they're they're, all three of them are baby faces they're saying that they're gonna do uh everything they can to help Orange Cassidy, especially cheat a lot. And so they come to the ring and uh, Wardlow makes his entrance and he's huge and terrifying and he comes in the ring. And um, so they start the match. And I mean, one of the, one of the things I love about w, uh, uh, AEW's programming is that they do make wins and losses matter. And they brought up Orange Cassidy's win loss record. That's a good job by the commentator Excalibur, who's a masked wrestler who is doing the commentary for AEW. Great job because now you're giving Orange a chance and now you're already setting up. This is not going to be a squash. This is going to be a match. And it was. Uh, Orange teased. There's great little things in the match. So Orange, again, the tinier man, set up a a test of strength with Wardlow. You put your hands out like you're going to wrestle like bull and then he puts his hands in his pockets, which is his gimmick. (laughs) And then Wardlow, who also came to play uh, ripped his hands and Orange's pockets out, <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> which was just such a great visual. Um, and then Cassidy responded by, so Wardlow wears a singlet, which is like the old school wrestler uniform with the straps. And he puts down his straps to let you know he's serious, like Kurt Angle did. Um, <laughs> Orange Cassidy put his straps back on, <laughs> which was it just is so funny. And again, it, good moments. Yeah. they were like, they were feeling each other out and it wasn't silly, uh, but it was a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. And so they did some spots where they were showing orange countering Wardlow's power moves with some agility. And then Wardlow busts out the agility with a 275 pound cartwheel there you go. to get away from an orange move. There you go. It was Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor then started their, uh, they're interfering a lot and uh, we're immediately thrown out. <laughs> so Trent Beretta started to try to take a turnbuckle off 
while Chuck Taylor reached Shout under the out ring. To our show. Thank yeah, you so much. Exactly. For Good job. A great, <laughs> great uh, product placement. Um, so Chuck Taylor reaches under the ring to hand Orange Cassidy a weapon, which, by the way, Orange looked at very uh, quizzically. <laughs> he threw a chainsaw into the ring. Again, just a hilarious gag. And the referee grabs the again. And great job by this ref grabs the chainsaw, hands it back to Chuck Taylor, says, is this your chainsaw? <laughs> then you and you get out and he throws oh, them out. Funny. So now we have a match where no one's going to interfere. This is going to be a straight up match. But oh, wait, there's one more gag. Wardlow is not a dumb big guy. He's a smart big guy and he has done his research and homework. He has scouted that Danhausen is under the ring oh and he God. yanks him out. Danhausen is about to curse Wardlow and then just pats him on the shoulder and walks away. <laughs> and just absolute entertainment. And the match basically hasn't really started yet. And then they put on a very good clinic on how to do small man, big man matches. Mm. A lot of Cassidy countering power moves. And then just throwing everything about the kitchen sink at him. Orange punches, DDT, uh, a lot of gutsy near falls from Wardlow on Cassidy. And then Cassidy hit a beach break, which is one of his finishing maneuvers, which required him to put a 275-pound Wardlow on his 175-pound back. Unbelievably impressive. Um, there was a powerbomb at the end to, for the clean finish on Wardlow and Cassidy. This was a long match and it deserved to be. It was entertaining. There was no rest holds. There was no fluff. And it closed with Wardlow powerbombing um, Cassidy into the mat. And Wardlow does this powerbomb symphony when he's, when he's uh, facing a, a, an atrocious heel, somebody that really deserves this. He will powerbomb them like as many times as he can, like five, mm -hmm. six, seven times. Um, and so powerbomb, clean finish for Wardlow. And then Wardlow picks up Orange Cassidy. But again, they're both baby faces. They just had a great match and puts out his fist for the fist bump. And Orange Cassidy, again, in character, gives him the half fist bump, which mm. is the, just his, his outstretched hand kind of touching. And, uh, it was, and Wardlow put him over. Mm. So you had a match that could have killed both wrestlers yeah. and instead elevated them both. It was a little weird in that Wardlow is the guy that the, the company wants to push. He's the TNT champion. They've given him a lot of screen time. They give him a huge feud, a blow-off feud with uh, MJF that kind of elevated him to this spot. So he's a big star in that old WWE mold, except I think he's a little more agile than a lot of the big guys. Um, I think it may have hurt him a little in that the crowd was really chanting for Wardlow when he came out. Mm. But the match was so good and so much of it was Cassidy that the crowd turned and it went from Wardlow's going to kill you chance to freshly squeezed. And all of a sudden everybody was cheering for orange Cassidy. So the match ended with a little bit of shock from the crowd. And I, I'll take it because it's unique. Um, yeah, it takes I you on a journey as the yeah, viewer. I, I like ba that. Babyface versus babyface matches are always going to have that peril. But again, at least they did something different. Yeah. And uh, I, I listened to a few minutes of Jim Cornette just ranting and raving and burying this match. He couldn't be more wrong. I, I agree with Jim sometimes, but his takes on Orange Cassidy and the Young Bucks, and he just doesn't like little guys. And it's like, okay. 
you like it. big beefy yeah. guys that wrestled in the 70s and 80s that if they wrestled now people would go to the bathroom people would literally leave the arena okay so i i, I know i have a uh, i have a lot of respect for the old school i have a lot of respect for jim Cornette. jim Cornette put his body and his safety on the line in a lot of a lot of matches as as a uh, manager and he booked territories and he's got a creative mind but he has the cult of Cornette, who he has his his fans that were listen to anything that he says. And it's I just don't understand the hate for anybody that works as hard as some of these smaller guys in AEW does. I can understand not liking the style. I don't like the style all the time. But to run down that match as if it was a bad match when it was one of the best television matches I've seen in months, I, I, I don't get it. But that's that's Jim. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, the rest of AEW for Fighter Fest was, was good. They put on a lot of good matches, and we had, uh, I wanted to bring him up because you've had some really kind things to say about him, and I wanted to hear you uh, extrapolate on that. Uh, Private Party versus the Lucha Brothers, which by the way, uh, uh, shout out to the Lucha Brothers. I live uh, nearby this place. They have a Lucha shop in, uh, in Pasadena, California. Uh, called Republic of Lucha. I think they do online stuff as well, but they have wrestling matches. They have uh, wrestling movies out back. They have a little space out back that they put chairs out and they, they have uh, live entertainment. They have wrestler interviews, That's a lot cool. of fun. So it's owned by uh, Penta Obscuro and uh, uh, Ray Fenix, who are the Lucha bros. And uh, I, please visit there if you're in the Southern California area. They do a lot of events, look them up. Uh, but the other tag team match, the tag team championship of AEW changed hands. Uh, the Young Bucks, the Young Bucks, the executive vice presidents of AEW, and uh, so had a stranglehold on the AEW championship. Uh, they lost their belts to Swerve Strickland, new to the company. And by the way, I was not familiar with his work at NXT. He's great. Unbelievably athletic, really charismatic. And he tags with... Keith Lee, they're known as Swerve in Our Glory. They are the new AEW Tag Team Champions, and it was a wonderful match to watch. And I know you've said some great things about Keith Lee, who on the independent circuit, fewer as beloved as Keith Lee. Everybody loves Keith. Say he's a sweet guy, easy he's to work so with. He's so kind. He's yeah. a kind soul. Yeah, he was, he, was really lovely to, he was really, really lovely to work with. Yeah, and he had some severe heart issues. He had some health problems. And eventually, WWE tried to repackage him, and, and they did it poorly. Uh, they tried to repackage him with an old gimmick, someone else's gimmick. They gave him the Bearcat gimmick, which was... They're, now they're dragging like back old gimmicks from the 70s. And I, I, don't, I didn't understand the repackage. He's in an AEW. Um, I don't think there's anything <laughs> that you'll see. It, it, it takes my breath away, and it, it terrifies me. I almost have to close my eyes sometimes when Keith Lee does a dive. Mm-hmm. I mean, Keith Lee is a massive human being. He is a like door frame sized man and he's about 400 pounds and he can do dives out of the ring onto the floor, which is just bananas. Not only that he can do it, but that he, A, doesn't hurt anybody, B, doesn't hurt himself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was an amazing match. So Fighter Fest was a fun week uh, and we have week two coming up there's a barbed wire match coming up Ooh. with Chris Jericho that I'm not. So I, Chris Jericho is just determined to bleed out one of these days. <laughs> I don't understand what, what, I mean, he, he was never known as a guy who was afraid of hardcore or afraid of blood. 
And I don't know why in AEW he has taken it upon himself to like, now that Cody's gone, he's the bleeder. Mm. Um, it doesn't need it. And it, it's a, so it's a match with Eddie Kingston who I was not sold on initially. And he won me over. And again, I'm always willing to change my mind when someone puts in the work and Eddie Kingston, I just wasn't familiar with him from the Indies. Um, I didn't like his look or his presentation. He's got that New York accent that always puts me off. The accent, it's from Yonkers. He's from Yonkers, huh. New York. And go. it is thick as F. Um, so he is in the Dusty Rhodes mold. Mm. Um, Eddie Kingston is very, very Dusty Rhodes. He's just hardcore working man wrestler. He doesn't have a great body. He doesn't have a particular, uh, like, particularly athletic arsenal, but he's entertaining and he is willing to put himself through hell in a match. I mean, the stuff that he does, I admittedly, I don't really want my eight-year-old around sometimes for an Eddie Kingston match or a Chris Jericho match, depending on how many weapons are involved. Uh, I'm not nuts about blood. I'm not nuts about uh, WWE going back to uh, TV 14 so they can do more blood. Uh, There is some rumor out there that that is Cody Rhodes connected, that Cody likes to bleed and is willing to. Um, But I, I, I think blood is good when it is absolutely necessary and that is very sparingly, um, especially when you've seen like Undertaker almost bled out, Eddie Guerrero almost bled out. I mean, Eddie Guerrero literally passed out out back and had to be, you know, taken to the hospital. Like, there is a point where your hand and a blade to your forehead is not going to go well after a 20 minute match where you've been brutalized and, and knocked around and you're loopy. Um, and so there's been some real, like almost tragedies. And so I, I'd like as little as blood as possible. And I'm not a guy who shies away from it. I have a whole collection of horror movies that say otherwise. Uh, but when it's real human beings, I feel a lot differently. Same thing with unprotected chair shots. And like, there are certain risks that if done well by athletes who can complete the task without hurting themselves or someone else, I got no problem with that. But blood and, uh, certain type of weapons being used in certain places on the body. Yeah. Not, not for it, but, uh, AEW is, uh, is putting on an entertaining product. And again, a little tweak as far as just some more storytelling, some more direction in the promos. Um, I think one of the big problems with their promos right now is their two best promo guys are gone. Hmm. All right. So you have CM Punk who broke his foot. He's the best promo in the business and he's out. Um, and he has the best shirts in the business. He does. Yeah, CM Punk just knows what he's doing and is a oh, brilliant guy. And, and they, but props to AEW for keeping the programming hot with him gone. Because for a while, he was the reason why they got a lot of eyeballs. Yeah, and then, you know, and I like that he's bringing politics into uh, AEW. Yeah, which, uh, which WWE is not going to do. Then they, they, they will unquote. never do anything. No, please bring it on. I'm I, I would it would bring my eyeballs. That's what I would. That's a good time for me. Sticking well, up for women's rights is a great time had by all. And uh, a problem that they've always had at WWE, unfortunately, <laughs> at least they're letting the women open and close the big shows. That's progress. And slow progress is better than no progress. But it's still it, it's not where it needs to be. Um, and AEW, by the way, has a talented women's division that is not getting uh, enough. They're not getting enough TV time. They're not getting enough action. There is a, um, there's a disconnect with the women's division in AEW that I can't quite put my finger on. It is, uh, they have good wrestlers. 
Uh, Jade Cargill is excellent. She's a she's a just big, imposing, scary heel. And then you have um, uh, you have Thunder Rosa, who's one of my favorites. And Thunder mm. Rosa's just plucky and has all the heart in the world. And she's a great technical wrestler. Um, I think that they just, they just don't give the women the same time that WWE does. I don't think it's necessarily a, a systemic problem as much as it is just an opportunistic problem. They're just mm. not giving the women the opportunity they deserve. But the, the other promo, by the way, that they're missing right now, and we still don't know whether this is real or storyline, is MJF. Oh, sure. MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, he is quite possibly the best promo in the business. And he cut a promo uh, similar to CM Punk's pipe bomb promo on Tony Khan on live TV saying that he wanted him to fire him or restructure his contract because he was upset that there are all these WWE guys coming in brand new off the street when he was an AEW original, started with the company, has his contract, and then is a pillar of the company, but is not getting paid like it. And so I think he's got a, a, at least a year or two left. And so it is questionable as to whether this is storyline or this is real. MJF, is he really sitting out his contract or is this a storyline thing? And I haven't quite figured it out. He hasn't said anything and no one seems to know. It's, it's a, a worked shoot thing is the old line is like he worked himself into a shoot. He kind of did. And so I don't know what the situation is there. I'm sure they can pay for him. It's not a money situation. So I wonder if it's not storyline driven um, but MJF is the best heel in the business and he's on the shelf right now and no one seems to know why. So, well, you know, if you want to see some blood and if MJF is going to show up, uh, you should watch AEW Dynamite Wednesday at eight on TBS and Rampage Friday at 10 p.m. on TNT. Before Julie and I leave you, John Reinman recorded something we are honored to share. Hey, John Reinman here, and I'm sorry I couldn't be with you this week. I wish I had better reason why, but unfortunately, it's a sad one. The reason why I'm not here this week is that a few days ago, my dad passed away uh, after a, a long uh, bout with an ailment that's um, all too familiar with far too many of us, and that's uh, Alzheimer's disease. And uh, dad will be honored in a bunch of places, but if I'm being completely honest, a wrestling podcast probably wouldn't mark the top of his list. Um, Dad wasn't much of what you'd call, I guess, a mark. Ironically, though, he was, uh, he was inadvertently the guy who got me into sports entertainment through an encounter with another Mark, young Mark Calloway. Uh, Dad was a pilot, and one day we were hanging out with another family and dad says to the other guy, Hey, guess who I saw on TV last night? The guy we flew, the undertaker. And so then I'm overhearing and listening to dad and he goes on to describe uh, the famous moment from the 1991 main event when Paul bear wheeled the undertaker down to the ring in a casket. And I being an eight year old sports and horror fan, I thought that sounded pretty cool. The next thing you know, every Saturday from 11 to one, I'm watching the undertaker on Superstars and Wrestling Challenge. And uh, there were some guys Dad liked. He loved Roddy Piper and Randy Savage, and he adored Bobby the Brain Heenan. But that was about it. So it wasn't bad enough that the only way to get through to his weird kid 
was to sit and watch wrestling for two hours every Saturday and another hour on Mondays. Uh, he was the one who got me into it. Kind of backfired. Um, but as they say, these things have a way of working out. So you fast forward 12 years and one day dad's waiting for clearance to taxi out and he's waiting and waiting and waiting. So finally, he radios in and says, hey, what's the deal? Why aren't we moving? Well, someone from the TSA cuts in. They say, Captain Reinman, I'm sorry, but uh, there's a man at the gate. We just can't let on the plane. Dad says, how come? They say, well, other passengers express concern over the way he looks, his appearance. Okay, so again, this is in the spring, early summer of 2003, right after a famous angle where someone had to shave half his head and maybe lose an eyebrow. Well, anyway, at this moment, Dad's had enough. He gets up out of his seat, puts on his cap, storms up the skywalk there, and then they open the door, and Dad spots this strange-looking passenger. Dad stands up straight and exclaims as loud as he can so everyone can hear him, By God, that's gotta be Kane! And Kane it was, and he took a deep breath and smiled. Uh, Dad gave him a Delta ball cap for him to wear and waved him on to the plane. And because my dad just happened to know who Kane was and what he'd been through, uh, Glenn Jacobs made it to Monday Night Raw that night. And I think that's a great metaphor for Dad and all good parents. They may not love what we're into or who we're into, but they'll help you get where you need to be when you least expect it. So, Dad. I love you. I'll miss you. Thank you for taking me to all those shows at the Boston Garden uh, and getting me all those wrestling figures and those pay-per-views and introducing me to WWE and, by extension, uh, professional wrestling. Say hi to Roddy, Randy, and Bobby for me. And to everyone else, I urge you to visit the Alzheimer's Association at alz.org and see how you can help. Thank you, everybody. Hope to see you next week. We're sending our love to John and his family. And thank you all so much for listening. Thank you very much for listening. See you, buckleheads. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.